Welcome to the Raw Talk Project. My name is Ainsley. I'm from central Queensland and have created this space to share and bring to you raw conversations with a wide variety of inspiring everyday people. We have all experienced the highs, the lows, the tough and the successful events life throws at us. For that, we all have a unique story to share. When you stand and share your story in an empowering way, your story will heal you and your story will heal somebody else. Welcome to another episode of the Raw Talk Project. On this week's episode, our guest is Kira Austin. Kira made her debut for the Australian Diamonds in 2021 and also plays for the Melbourne Vixens. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about who you are? Absolutely. So I am a professional netballer. I currently play for the Melbourne Vixens and the Australian Diamonds, but haven't always lived in Melbourne. I grew up in New South Wales in Sydney and have pretty much just loved sports since I was a little girl and wanted to do everything possible and then kind of landed in the netball world and yeah, haven't really looked back. Have you always played netball growing up? Uh, So when I was growing up, I used to swim quite a bit. I think it was really important um, to my parents that me and my older sister, Emily, got into the pool. We obviously lived um, in New South Wales and we have really beautiful beaches. So swimming was something that they wanted us to really have that skill. And I did love swimming, but I absolutely hated the early mornings. And for whatever reason, the heater in the pool always seemed to be broken. So Swimming in the rain, in the cold, early mornings wasn't really my thing. So I eventually did end up quitting swimming, but I also used to be a soccer player. So I think I broke my dad's heart when I chose netball over soccer. But yeah, I kind of played both of those two sports the most and had a bit of a split love for them. And yeah, the only reason I ended up picking netball was because of the girls that were in it. I am literally still best friends with those girls today. So could have been a Matilda maybe. I don't think I was quite the skillful um, soccer player, but yeah, netball was my one true love. Did you ever get to a point when you were younger where you had to choose between netball and soccer? So I think I was about 12 or 13. 12 is kind of the age where you got to play reps. So I tried out for both rep netball and soccer and I was playing in the rep team for netball and I was kind of considered a 30% player. So basically they have this tournament at the end of the year that goes for three days, but I only played 30% of the games. So I was just like, this sucks. Like, why am I even doing this? Maybe I'll give soccer a red hot crack next year when I turn 13 or 14. And I don't know, there was just a little part of me that still stuck to netball and those next couple of years playing reps you play 13s, 14s and 15s, I just continuously challenged myself and really, really fell in love with the sport. I changed positions. So I used to be a centre court player um, and then they told me I was too tall and too lazy to be a centre. I was probably the tallest mid-court you'd ever seen. Um, I'm six foot one and a normal mid-quarter is probably maybe around the five foot eight mark. So I was very tall and yeah, I just ended up playing that year in 15s and asking my teammates, okay, like what's next? And they were all just kind of happy just with that. Like they didn't want to go any further. And I was just so hungry for the next thing. And 
yeah, soccer kind of just drifted away. I was so into the netball world and watching it and seeing what I could do next. So it kind of just happened naturally. But there definitely was a point where the girls my age were just happy with what they achieved and wanted to go and be social teenagers, I guess. And yeah, I just had this real passion for wanting to test myself and just really stuck to it. So flowing on from there, what did your netball journey then look like from 15, 16 years? Yeah, so I had a lot of, I guess, opportunities come my way. I had my first trip overseas with my association. So I grew up playing for Eastwood Ride Netball. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but I was playing against some massive superstars of the game in Julio Coletto and um, Kat Latu. We played, they must have been playing for the Mystics over there, and I had no idea who they were. Fast forward a couple of years, I now realise the magnitude of how exciting that would have been. But yeah, I think I got to trial for the under-17s nationals team um, for New South Wales, and I was still kind of holding on to that dream of being a centre. So I trialled as a centre and didn't actually make the team. So I was still kind of being able to enjoy netball, but also really into studying and going to school and and whatnot. So it didn't feel like the end of the world that I didn't make it. I was obviously devastated at the time. But the following year, I ended up making the 17s and under team. Um, we went to Victoria for our first nationals and we came second. But that was where I first got kind of talent ID. They used to read out everyone's names after the competition in alphabetical order. So I knew pretty quickly if I'd made the squad or not, because I'm Austin with an A. So yeah, that was my first kind of exposure um, to a national program. And then following on from that, I just kept making the subsequent national teams and being training partner um, for some of the, it was ANZ teams at the time, they're now um, SSN teams. But yeah, I just kept saying yes to opportunity. I didn't really have too many major setbacks when I was that age. So I just kept putting my hand up and enjoying it. And I love the travel part of it too. So I just felt like the luckiest girl in the world, really. Definitely. And how did you juggle netball and school at the same time or when you finished school, uni as well? I feel like I was lucky juggling the two. Um, I know sometimes school isn't everyone's thing, but I was just, I love school. I didn't go to a massive school. I didn't go to the high school that all my friends from primary school went to. So it was also kind of like a new world to me um, and I made new friends there and, you know, had some really um, awesome teachers that kind of understood what the load was um, for me there. But it really wasn't a sporty school at all, so I didn't really understand why I was leaving, you know, these major exams to go and play in a tournament against Wales and, and Scotland and stuff. But to me, I was like, nope, I'm not missing that opportunity, but... Yeah, it was probably a lot of credit to my parents as well. Mum would pick me up at 3pm nearly every day after school so I could get home by 3.30 and get to training by 4 o'clock. They had some really tight turnarounds when I was growing up. But yeah, it certainly wasn't always easy. But I think as an athlete, you get so used to being able to prioritise any free time you have. And whether that goes to just like putting time to yourself and actually relaxing or, hey, I've only got 20 minutes, that's when I need to sit down and do an assignment. You get pretty good at doing things very efficiently. Yeah, I still use a written diary. I love having everything written out in front of me. But even to this day, I'm still kind of learning how to balance it all. And I'm seven or eight years out of high school now and I've only just 
finished one degree. So it's definitely taken a lot of patience as well. Without a doubt. And what's the degree that you've been studying? So I just finished a degree in medical science, but when I first left school, I think the first degree I started was animal and veterinary bioscience and something. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a vet. Didn't realize how much energy and effort goes into doing that. I was It was at Sydney Uni, which was a good hour away from where I lived. And then I had to do practicals out on the farm and I've never been on a farm in my life. So it was not what I expected at all. And I very quickly, I think after a year and a half of doing it, um, deferred and then went into medical science. And yeah, that was very much more up my alley. Um, And I think because mum was a nurse, it just was something that fell naturally to me as well. Would you say that your family have had a pretty big impact on your career netball to date? Yeah, I think so. They've obviously supported me the whole way. Like without my mum and dad, I wouldn't be able to get to any of the training sessions and Honestly, some of my most fondest memories in the sport is looking up into the crowd and seeing my mum and my dad, my uncles, my big sisters, probably she might be overtaking dad as my biggest fan. I won't take that title away from him just yet, but they they ride the waves with me and I've gone through some pretty, um, you know, big setbacks in recent years. I ruptured my ACL in 2021, but they saw me at my most vulnerable and they really picked me up when I needed them to. So every success and every time I go out on the court, I'm not just playing for myself, I'm playing for them as well. And yeah, they're just as proud as me as I am of myself. So you had just mentioned you had gone through some setbacks and an injury in 2021. Was this the same year that you had debuted for the Diamonds? Yes, it was all in the same year. Um, So I guess in the lead up to that, I'd been playing professional netball for four years with the Giants. But over those four years, I probably only played full time for maybe a year and a bit. I was back to that 30% player. I was kind of a bench warmer and definitely like deserved so. There were some epic athletes in the team and I was just soaking up as much as I could. So when it came around um, the year that I was like, yes, like I finally made it. This is my time to shine. I just debuted for the Diamonds. I really should have been on cloud nine, but I felt physically fit as an athlete. It was probably the fittest I'd ever been. Um, you know, I wasn't on court and all I could be doing is doing that extra shuttle um, on the court or going into the gym and testing myself for an extra five kilos in a certain exercise here and there. So I felt physically really strong, but mentally I felt so super duper weak. So yeah, it was round one of 2021. I think in the second quarter of the game, I just went down and I felt like my knee went right to the other side of the stadium. It was an awful feeling. And yeah, I went to the change room straight away and my partner was there as well. And he was just like, I don't know what to say to you right now. <laughs> he was so shocked, but rang my family and dad, God bless him. He was like, oh, you, you know, Kip, you might have just twisted your knee. But the physios did all the kind of tests and I knew straight away that I'd done it. Like I just, you hear about ACLs and how significant of an injury they are. And yeah, you just kind of know in the moment that that you've done it. In hindsight and having gone through the rehab process and I've had two epic years since doing it, it really kind of was a blessing in disguise. It kind of started a cascade of events for me to move out of home, move into state, finish my uni degree elsewhere. Like so many good things came from it, even though I went through 
12 or 10 and a half months of really like tiring rehab you kind of just have to get on with it but um yeah it probably was a very unwanted but blessing in disguise I can definitely relate to you in that regard was this your first I guess serious injury that you have endured yeah yeah so I hadn't had any any sort of setback or injury like that before I think I had a few jarred fingers so yeah I did my first big injury in fashion Yeah, totally. Look, I won't go into all the details about rehab because I guess it is pretty stock standard across all sports on what you have to do to get back out on the court. What does your training load look like now for netball at the moment? Yeah, it's pretty um, full on. I think since coming back from my knee, I've been pretty full time, um, not only in my club land, but in the Diamonds environment. And I just, yeah, it was pretty epic my first tour back from my ACL was um the Commonwealth Games so it just felt like such a roller coaster of a ride um to get to that point so yeah it's been pretty full on the past two years and there really isn't an off season I've learned you get maybe one or two weeks where you can relax but you're still kind of in the gym um if you're not in the gym for long enough you you know your muscles waste away and then trying to get back into the swing of things is just very, very um, laborious and probably not worth it. So, um, yeah, at the moment we're on court uh, probably three times a week and that's supplemented with some very intense conditioning sessions and then another three gym sessions um, per week. So kind of kicking into pre-season now and really ramping up, um, trying to build some strength and endurance into us and yeah we'll go away in January for Nations Cup um, for the Diamonds and then I think our season starts in April this year so it's a little bit later for us but yeah you really don't get a break from the season starting finishing Diamonds games at the end of the year a little bit of a break going back into training for the next year it's pretty full on. Yeah it's one full cycle hey for 12 months of the year just with a little bit of a break possibly over the Christmas New Year Yes, 10, 10 days, I think it is. <laughs> oh, gosh. What are some up, upcoming goals for you? Um, I think for me, I obviously, like I've been in the Diamonds fold for a couple of years now and I've really only kind of stepped into a more, I guess, senior role in that goal attack position. I was not sitting behind but learning from some of the best in the world, Steph Wood and Gretel Bouetta. Um, So they've, you know, kind of retired and, had babies so it's really a chance for me to be a lot more consistent on the international scene I think and domestically I would love to win a premiership I haven't won a premiership before um at the SSN level and and my first year back from an ACL with the Melbourne Vixens I played in a grand final and it was the week after I had COVID for the first time so I certainly wasn't prepared for it but yeah to get myself back into a grand final and to actually win it would just be oh I couldn't top it. And who is your idol growing up? Oh, it's a really tough one. I feel like whenever I get asked this question, like we didn't, I didn't see netball on the TV growing up. I feel like I just snuck into that kind of demographic where, you know, netball was still fighting to get on big time TV and we, you know, we wanted to see what we could be. But I think um, when I kind of started to understand what the New South Wales Swifts were and wanting to play for ANZ, I loved uh, learning from Susan Pettit. She used to play for the Swiss for years and was a teammate at the Giants for her last couple of years before she retired. She really took me under her wing in those first couple of years. But I guess 
watching netball when it did start to get televised. I loved Julie Colletto. I just thought she was the most tenacious defender. Um, and I'm an attacking player, but I love to do defensive drills and getting some ball back. So I think that's why I really like Julie Colletto as well. But, um, yeah, I had heaps of idols growing up. I would even, you know, want to say that my dad was such a big role model to me. But then I make my mum upset. So everyone. <laughs> So outside of netball, do you girls work? Do you just study? Like, obviously, you have a massive training load. Are you allowed to work or do anything like that? Yeah, definitely. I pretty much have just been doing uni the entire time that I've been playing netball. But a lot of girls do do a lot of jobs on the side, whether that's just, you know, working their a reception job or a lot of girls work in PT and some are getting their so, you know, three and four in um, personal training and whatnot. I think a lot of us also do quite a bit of coaching. I didn't think I would like coaching, but ever since coming down to Melbourne and not, I guess, knowing as many people, it's kind of been a nice outlet to meet some of the netball community and kind of give back to the sport that's given me so much. But yeah, I think you could speak to any netballer and you would just be blown away by the ambitions they have. There's some pretty smart cookies in the fold. And I think, you know, we kind of know that we just can't fall into a job after sport. We need to be doing things now to be getting that, you know, work experience and that, I guess, qualifications to help us. So, yeah, I think a lot of us do work on the side and um, study as well. Absolutely. So what are your career aspirations post your netball career? I think for me, I especially firsthand have felt that we don't really get a lot of, I guess, education on our bodies as female athletes. We're so prone to low iron. I've had low iron before. I've known teammates that haven't had normal menstruation and teammates that have gone through infertility. So I would love to end up working in that kind of area. I think maybe raising awareness to knowing different things about our body, knowing what options are there for us as well in terms of wanting to fall pregnant. Um, it seems so bizarre to me that I'll have to put everything on hold to kind of have a baby when I feel like I just want to keep flying. And that has kind of been a trend seeing, I guess, women wanting to really succeed in their career before they kind of, you know, put everything on hold. But yeah, I think there's so many avenues that just aren't talked about enough. And if I could, you know, end up in that area, I'd be stoked. <laughs> Can you explain what sparked your interest in, I guess, the women's health space? Yeah, I think I've always had a real keen, like, um, desire to know how the body works. And it must have been in primary school when we did, I guess, you know, your classic adolescence and I was just blown away by the amount of hormones that we get every month and the different sort of, I guess, conditions that we can go through. And, you know, periods aren't meant to hurt, but we're just like, oh, yeah, like that's just normal. I just think women are just like superheroes. And I'm just such an advocate for women, I guess. And what we go through to have to be successful, we just, you know, cop it on the chin and put a smile on our face and get going. So I'm not quite sure where it's really stem from I think probably my own personal interest getting to that point in my life like I'm 26 now and I should be thinking about that kind of stuff um, but we haven't really had any education and I've been in this professional I guess sporting landscape for a while so yeah I think that's probably really driven I guess that that passion. So what do your future goals look like personally both in netball and I suppose outside of netball as well over the next couple of years? 
Well, I think personally, I'm um, getting married at the end of next year. So that seems weird to have that as an achievement, but the wedding planning process is very, very stressful. So I'm excited to, I guess, go through that process and have a really nice, I guess, celebration at the end of next year. It's not every day that my friends and family are kind of in one spot and we travel quite a bit for sport. So I'm very lucky to have that part of my life to be able to travel, but also super, super excited for that event. Um, and I think just I kind of feel like I'm hitting the point of my life where I should be getting really into my prime of netball. And so I'd love to keep growing as an athlete. And yeah, I think, you know, win a premiership would be the best. <laughs> Definitely. Imagine how good that would be. Oh, It'd well, be the best 2024. Oh, it would be. I've got big dreams. <laughs> And how does your partner fit in amongst your crazy busy schedule? How does he fit in? He just puts his hand up. If he, if I need a hand with something, he's like, do you need a hand? Nah, he's been, he's great. I think we started dating, I guess, nearly five years ago now. And I was sitting on the bench and then he saw me debut for the Diamonds. He saw me do my ACL. He, you know, he was there to pick me up off the ground when I needed to. Um, he's really ridden the wave with me. And I kind of told him I was wanting to move clubs and move into state and I just said I'm going if you want to come you can come so I think it was a big challenge for him to move away from home and I guess step outside of his comfort zone I've always kind of liked travel and and doing that kind of stuff but yeah I think he is kind of like my own personal coach after each game he'll tell me things I can work on so he's a fully fledged netball fan now he certainly wasn't um before he met me but yeah he knows all the he wants to give me all the goss now he's he's right into it how wonderful is that? I totally rate that. <laughs> he rings me and he's like, oh, have you heard the goss? I was like, oh, yeah, I have. And he's like, damn it. He wants to be the first one to tell me. It's quite funny. <laughs> How beautiful is that? If you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Yes, also a very good question. Also a conversation that me and my partner have talked about. I reckon my superpower would be to travel anywhere in the world with like the snap of my fingers. Like if I just wanted to go all the way over to London for a day, I just snap my fingers and I'm there. Or if I wanted to just pop back up to Sydney for an hour, I'll just snap my fingers and I'm there. I think that would be a pretty good superpower to have. It's not really helping other people, but it would help my my mental health, I think. <laughs> and if you could tell your younger self one thing or a couple of things, what would it be? I think if I had to tell my younger self something, one of, it's kind of one of my favourite quotes is to just to keep stopping to smell the roses. Like you don't realise it when you're a kid, but you're just so carefree and nothing can really stop you. And I'll just scrape into the generation that wasn't brought up on phones and iPads and whatnot. And yeah, going up the road to go to the video store, even though I wasn't allowed the new weekly releases are too expensive or sneaking into the, you know, primary school just down the road to kick the ball around. They were kind of some of my fondest memories and you forget how quickly they go. And so I think I would definitely tell my younger self to enjoy those moments so much more and to not be so consumed, I guess, by what you see on the internet and just really live in the moment. It's probably a good bit of advice that I can tell my older self as well. What a great way to think of it as well, because time just goes so fast. And I guess when you're younger, you're constantly thinking, I cannot wait to be an adult. I can't wait to grow up. I can't wait to be this certain age because it means a certain thing, whatever it may be. And then now when you're 
an adult, you go, oh, my God, I would do anything to have no responsibility and to go back in time and be so carefree and not have to worry about social media or having to pay bills and (laughs) be an adult. Thinking about what's for dinner. (laughs) Totally. Or doing the groceries. I know. Definitely. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode on the Raw Talk Project. Oh, that's okay. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to follow along on your journey. I think it's awesome. 